Hello, and welcome to the Jaguar Report podcast, a podcast that now is covering a team with a head coach. We are no longer a podcast without a man at the helm of the ship. Sure, the vacancy only lasted for the entirety of uh, one episode, but nonetheless, the Jaguars have officially hired former Florida Gators and Ohio State Buckeyes head coach Urban Meyer as their newest head coach. And uh, I mean, just from my perspective, somebody who has followed, you know, the league, you know, for the last several years, I think it's one of the biggest hires just in terms of monumental, like, impact and kind of newsworthiness that, that's been made in the NFL over the last couple of years. So we're going to be talking all about that today. I'm joined by my co-host, Gus Logue. Gus, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, John. I'm excited. It's a new year. It's a new season underway. The city's under new management, as <laughs> Jay-Z tweeted in 2012. But I'm I'm really excited. Uh, Shad Khan offered him a job. Let's call him Urban Hire. Am I right? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, okay. So I, had to, I, had to, I, had to get I actually haven't heard that one. <laughs> well, I mean – it's it, it seemed I mean it seemed like it was trending this way for weeks. Uh, I publicly went to bat saying I was pessimistic about it happening, but if there's ever one thing I'm gonna be wrong about, uh, if it's like believing in Urban Meyer kind of committing to something, I'm okay with going down. You know, being on the wrong end of that ship because I I personally I don't believe anybody that says okay this has been done for a while and it was just a matter of him getting prepared. I really do think he was still deciding up to these last few days. I mean, is that kind of the feeling you got? Because I've seen a lot of people, you know, kind of change their tune recently saying, oh, well, the Jaguars weren't actually waiting on him. They, they knew what was going to happen. And I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of – it's weird because, like, it's been – the reports have been out for a few weeks, if not probably a little more than a month at this point. Yeah. Um, and so, like, when the report came out, yesterday morning saying they're close to an agreement and it was like okay and then even when they said they were actually in an agreement it was still like it was kind of a little bit of a relief knowing that kind of the process was finally over and we can kind of cement urban as the head coach and kind of move on a little bit yeah um but yeah it didn't really sit with me until i saw that picture of him getting off the plane and like stepping onto the jaguar mat that kind of circulated the internet and that was that's kind of when it like settled in for me or kind of hit me like, Oh, Urban's the head coach now. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, the, obviously him and Shad Khan had been in talks for a while and they've known each other for probably a few years now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you that it definitely wasn't a certain thing until yesterday or a couple of days ago. Yeah, no, uh, Urban, uh, JP Shadrick interviewed him last night and the Jaguars tweeted that video out this morning. Urban, you know, uh, Urban and Shot, it's no secret, you know, that they've known each other for a while just because uh, both are really, uh, so, like, tightly associated with the Big Ten. Uh, you know, Shad Khan's an Illinois guy. Uh, you know, he's big into the Big Ten athletics. So it's not surprising that they knew each other. But Urban even mentioned, he said that him and Shad talked at last year's Super Bowl uh, in that interview with Shadrick. Didn't say what they talked about, but I'm, I mean, I'm going to assume they weren't talking about their golf games or anything like that. I, I really do think this is something, <laughs> Ur, like, Khan has kind of, envision for a little bit and I wrote you know that column on December 1st saying I think Khan made the right move in hindsight by keeping Marone and Caldwell because it kind of set up for a situation like this I think if this job's open last year uh Ur Urban Meyer would be more likely to take a job at you know like the pretzel stand and the 2020 Jaguars job you know I mean that job wouldn't, wouldn't have been enticing at all Right. Yeah, he said in that interview that you mentioned about how he's been, like, watching film and kind of keeping an eye on the league, sort of, and that this is just 
sort of the perfect opportunity, which I mean it is because it's in Jacksonville, which you kind of mentioned he loved the city, um, especially since he was in Gainesville for nearly a decade with the Gators. And so he was kind of in close proximity. And then also obviously all the like resources that's available. I mean, you have kind of flexible ownership as Shad Khan has shown, but more importantly, you have the number one pick overall in Trevor Lawrence, plus all the uh, cap space, all the draft capital. And so as he said, and as kind of everyone's been saying, it was the perfect environment in the perfect situation. And fortunately he kind of jumped on it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I, I think the ownership part plays a big role in here. I think, you know, for some reason, you know, people, you know, every person that follows football that doesn't follow the Jaguars as, you know, intently as we do, has this in their mind that Shad Khan is Jerry Jones or something when it that could not be further from the truth. You know, like yeah. over the last like decade, he's been more dissociated, I think, from his team than any other owner. And I, I truly believe that his ownership style in terms of him being both patient and willing to kind of give, you know, his football guys all the support internally and externally that they need. I think it rubs fans the wrong way sometimes because, I mean, that's how you keep Gus Bradley and Doug Marone for four years and Tom Coughlin for three. But if you're a football coach or you're a general manager, that's the kind of owner you want to work for, you know. So for, for as much as his qualities as an owner might infuriate fans at points, it's those same qualities that I think are a big reason why Meyer is the coach here because I, I really do think it had to be, you know, like perfect fit on every level, you know, in terms of uh, current roster, uh, you know, the quarterback position, draft picks, cap space, and owner. You know, pe- people – don't talk about owner a lot when it comes to landing spots, but that, that was big. And, you know, it, I've heard, you know, before that, you know, Shad and his patience is a big plus for people, you know, on the football side. So I really do think uh, kind of his style is a big reason that Myers here as well. Uh, Gus, just really, um, I mean, what was your overall, I guess, reaction and what's your overall take to him getting the job? It's obviously a risk, but do you think it's a risk worth taking and why or why not? Yeah, so, I mean, this definitely isn't the perfect way to look at it, but, like, with prospects, you're kind of like, oh, he has, like, a low floor and a high ceiling and stuff like that. And I think, undoubtedly, Urban has one of the highest floors – or highest ceilings, I mean. Um, probably one of the lowest floors, t- to be honest, but one of the highest ceilings of any coaching candidate just because he's a proven winner. And, I mean, my main point or takeaway is just to look at the situation with the glass half full just because – Obviously, he's kind of like left um, multiple programs in a sour way, sort of, and his moral compass not, might not be pointing directly north, but he's a program builder and he's a winner, which is the most important thing, and yeah. he's going to kind of take the city and the um, team into a new direction, and so, I don't know. I think I'm settling into it. It's 2021. It's a new season. City's under new managing, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm excited about it. And I think that's kind of the right way to do it. And like hashtag because Jaguars is kind of a good reasoning for why things seem to kind of fall apart around the franchise for the past yeah. three or four or five years. But I mean, the past is the past and the future is the future. So I think it's time to Definitely. kind of be excited about it. Here's been my whole thing on it. Um, there's obviously, you know, like I said, a ton of risk with Meyer, just, a, you know, how he's left his uh, last two jobs, the fact that he's never coached in the NFL before, questioning if his motivational tactics will carry over, all of that. 
I truly think, you know, he's a guy who's plugged in enough and he's smart enough that he's probably well aware of the NFL expectations in terms of he knows uh, how different it is in terms of uh, if you lose six games in college, you're getting fired. But if you lose six games with the Jaguars, they're building uh, Nick Foles, Doug Peterson statue, you know, for you. So <laughs> I, I, I think he's aware of, like, the different expectations. I don't think he's I, – I just – I don't think he lacks that much self-awareness to be, you know, kind of unprepared for what he's about to step into. Yeah. And I guess my big thing with people has been I completely understand pessimism, and I even have some myself because, you know, we've talked about it. I would have – hired Brian Dable and they didn't even interview him. We've talked about it. Here's my thing to people who and it, it it seems like a lot of people are honestly like people that aren't Jaguars fans are to the point where like they're emotionally like <laughs> it like upset about the Jaguars hiring. I mean here here's my entire thing. Who would you have liked to see the Jaguars hire in this cycle? Because it's not a good coaching cycle. It just isn't. You know, Arthur Smith and Eric Bieniemy, I think, are fine candidates. Brian Dabble, I think, is a good candidate. But who is a slam dunk candidate that they are passing over for Meyer? I, I, I if there, if there was one, I would criticize this, this uh, hire with ferocity. But I just, at this point, I'm like, they got to take a swing at some point. And in this cycle, you know, there's not a lot of high ceiling guys. Just Take a swing on this one, you know? I mean, yeah. and what's what's the downside for the Jaguars here? That people say, oh, Meyer, what if Meyer uh, loses for two or three years and then leaves? Then there's then they're right where they're at now. Like, <laughs> does it really matter, you know? Yeah. I mean, if there's – like, when was the last time there was ever, like, a perfect coaching candidate, regardless just this year? And so that's what I was kind of saying with, like, the high ceiling is that, like – or as yeah. you said, like, we're on the same page where they're kind of swinging for the fences and they're kind of trying to get the most potential – and I said a, a podcast or two ago that the Jaguars have pro, are like one of few teams that could legitimately be Super Bowl contenders in a few years, which seems like a hot take, but like uh, you can, it's kind of about trusting the process a little bit. And so, like if things kind of go the right way, then like that's a very strong possibility. Whereas some teams are kind of stuck in mediocrity, and that's more so a thing in the NBA where if you're just kind of stuck in mediocrity, then you kind of can't accumulate draft picks and then accumulate stars and so on and so on. Yeah. Um, but the Jaguars are in a position to go zero to a hundred. And so it's yep, going to be pretty exciting. And so, as you said, like, yeah, maybe they'll go from zero to zero and nothing will happen. Yeah, but like, maybe they suck. At least like they're kind of taking a chance. So I think yeah, we're on no, the same ex- page. Exactly. I think if there's any franchise that can take on, the massive risk that is Myron. I, I don't want people to misinterpret it as me saying, oh, Myron's a slam dunk hire. Jaguar's about to go 13 and 13. No, it's a massive roll of the dice. It's the biggest uh, roll of the dice in franchise history. But I just, the, the way I see it, the potential impact of it, I just, I, I don't think any other team in the NFL is kind of able to take on that risk right now because, I mean, the Jaguars, that you know, they're kind of like that meme, you know, like you, you what are you going to do? Like, stab me? You can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> like, you know, like they, they, <laughs> yeah. they've, they've, and if Urban Meyer is a risk, and he definitely is, was Mike Malarkey not a risk? Was Gus Bradley, which, by the way, the Gus Bradley hire was universally loved. Was that not a risk? I mean, it, 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 like, like you said, there's no perfect coaching hire. And I, I, as much of a roll of the dice as I think it is, it's just some of these takes have been kind of outrageous to me. Like, and yeah. I'm not even somebody who said they should hire Meyer. You know, I've been saying for weeks that they should hire D- Dable. And I know me and you kind of felt similar on a few things. And it's just the reaction has been kind of surreal to me because it just seems like 
people don't really know what the Jaguars need. And what they need is kind of a complete flushing of their football operations. You know, not just what they do on Sundays, but what they do from Monday to Sunday, basically every day of every week, of every month, of every year. And I think if there's any coach in this cycle who can kind of, you know, reshape a program, it's probably Meyer. Yeah, I think um, a little bit of history for you folk, but um, in like the late 1990s, before Bill Belichick was hired to the uh, New England Patriots, their um, football coach was Bill Parcells. And Barcells or Parcells ended up getting fired after I think three seasons, but he kind of ended up building. Or actually, and then Pete Carroll wasn't there in between uh, Parcells and Belichick, but Parcells kind of built a really good roster in the three years he was there. And a lot of Belichick's success in like the first run of three Super Bowls came like from, like obviously it was his coaching and he deserves the credit, but it was also a lot of Parcells' um, talent in like the locker room and like the guys that he kind of got. Like it was Belichick's coaching, but it was kind of Parcells guys. And so I think that's like, it's definitely not a perfect analogy or comparison, but I think even if Urban kind of flames out after like a couple of years, like expecting it to be just like everything to burst into flames is kind of atrocious. Cause like, yeah, that could happen, but that could happen to anyone. And I guess like his history suggests that it's more likely to happen to him, but like, even still, like, there's a sm- very small chance of that happening. Yeah. But even if he, like, flames out a little bit in a few years, like, he's going to have a program built and kind of a standard set that's going to hopefully last for the next few decades. And yeah. so I think that, like, it's just, like, a step in the right direction, and he's being hired more as a program builder than, like, for his scheme, even though his scheme had a ton of success in college. And one of the great things about it is how well he was able to adapt his scheme, and I think that's kind of a good – coaching trait and kind of a good sign for the future with him in Jacksonville but it's just regardless of like how many games he wins or loses I think if things go right then he's going to build a program that's going to make Jacksonville respected and so that's one of the biggest things. I think if two years from now they're a team that three two three years from now they're a team that's consistently around the 500 mark this is literally a, a slam dunk hire and that is how low the standards are for them at this point yeah. just because of how bad they've been. And like, I'm sorry. Like it's it's just the truth of Jaguars. Like if you can get them close to a winning season, I don't think anybody's, you know, it's not like he's walking into Philadelphia and and they're going to ask him to win a Lombardi his first year or anything like that. But I I, I think you made a lot of good points. I really do. You know, like you said, see him as a CEO type. I mean, just people talk about his offenses a lot. Well, the offense he ran for Chris Leak wasn't the same for Tim Tebow wasn't the same for Dwayne Haskins, wasn't the same for JT Barrett, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, he's a guy that delegates, and his offense, you know, has always kind of molded around his players. So I, I've seen people kind of question if his college offense would work, and I'm like, I don't I don't think he's bringing a playbook as much as he's bringing, like, philosophies. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, when he was talking in that interview that we mentioned um, that he re- they recorded last night and posted this morning – on like the Jaguar social media and Jaguar's website, he was talking about how he's getting the players to work hard, get good play- coaches for him. There's been kind of uh, rumors or reports or whatever you want to call it about how they're going to probably build new facilities. And so it's all these things of kind of stepping, taking the franchise in the right direction from that standpoint, kind of regardless of the record. And the record should follow if your pl- players are playing hard. And like, there's not really any reason to think that like, 
the players won't buy in. Because I think if the players buy in, then they should have some level of success. And like, based on the player reactions from last night on social media, yeah. it seems like they're kind of buying in already and excited. And I think regardless of who it is, if it's someone that they believe in that has a kind of a chance that they're going to take it after the past few years in Jacksonville. So, yeah, yeah. no, no, I, I'm with you. I, I actually think the Jaguars having the NFL's youngest roster actually kind of helps them in this regard because it, it's obviously, you know, much different than college. A lot of their top players haven't been in college for a few years, but a lot of their top players are not that far removed from college. You know, Josh yeah. Allen, you know, it wasn't that long ago he was in college. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, C.J. Henderson, Caleb Vaughn, Chase on all that. So I, I wasn't surprised at all to see the positive reactions because, I mean, like I said, a lot of these guys are recently in college. So they – the Urban Meyer, like they know as football players, is, you know, one of the best coaches uh, in college football history and probably – you know, football history in general. So I, I wouldn't expect – Urban Meyer and Doug Marone are so different just in terms of personality and coaching style. But Marone never once had an issue with getting that Jaguars locker room to buy in. Right. So I, I don't think that Urban's going to have any issues. Plus, Urban won't have a elderly person with an iron fist uh, undermining him at uh, every <laughs> stop of the way in the front office. That's true. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, Urban's done his research. Um, I guess you could call him our colleague, uh, Albert Breer, kind of had an article about how, like, he's been talking to NFL players and kind of, like, talking to sources around the league. And, like, it's not like he doesn't know, like, what to expect or, like, know what he's getting himself into. Like, people will just, like, comment on social media, like, oh, yeah, he's just going to have a heart attack in a year. And he doesn't know how to approach an NFL locker room and stuff like that. It's like, like as you said at the beginning like he knows what he's doing and he kind of knows the risk he's taking and so like I think he's been kind of surveying the NFL landscape for maybe a few years and then this was just a perfect opportunity and so he kind of understands what's kind of happening yeah it's not like like he's just clueless which some people for some reason think that he is exactly that's the big that's the big thing self-awareness I think is big if you're going to jump from college to the NFL and I, I guess here's my question did last year did people not fall heads over heels for the Matt Rule hire in Carolina. Yeah. Everyone what, what's the difference? Like, what's the difference? Urban Meyer was a better coach. Like, what's, like, that's just me trying – like I said, I'm not even all, all you know, thinking this is a great hire, but it's just kind of the double-sided takes. I just what, – what is the difference? It's just that Ohio State and Gator fans have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth, and because they're such big college programs, it's kind of been a national – at a national level. And so – I don't. I don't That's even really think. It, I don't even think it's them because I mean, e- even yesterday it, it it made me laugh. Uh, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, he tweeted out there was like a forty second clip where him and I think Mike Garofolo were talking about all the people that are now publicly doubting Urban Meyer and how he's probably taking names down. And I, <laughs> yeah. I saw Jeff Schwartz tweet out. He was like, "Has there ever been a hire this universally loved?" And I felt like I was going insane. I'm like. I feel like 80% of the people who are commenting on this hire absolutely hate it. So and, and that's just my thing. You know, if people like the Matt Rule hire, I'm not sure how much different the Meyer one is. And I think there's a risk with both of them. Uh, obviously, Meyer, you have the whole, you know, leaving for health issues thing. But just if, if you're talking about strictly from is this stuff going to work in the pros, I think you got to keep the conversation consistent. Yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like, no one knows what's going to happen in the future. But, like, it's like urban has a chance a small chance to crash and fail as people seem to think is a strong possibility but he also has a strong possibility of 
kind of lifting up a franchise into another tier or even the top tier. And so it's kind of, obviously it's a wait and see kind of thing, but I don't know. Glass half, glass half full. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily. Then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for podcasters. And here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. And guess here's my thing. Say Urban flames out in a couple of years, which, again, is very possible and might, <laughs> may even, you know, be likely. Uh, say, Glass half full, John. Yeah. <laughs> Say he leaves after, say, two seven and nine seasons. The Jaguars can just say to their to the next coaching candidates, "Hey, we have Trevor Lawrence with a couple NFL seasons under his belt." Like, so, like, even in the worst case scenario where Urban Meyer doesn't work out, this could still be a really enticing job, even in that aftermath. Yeah, I agree with that. But at the same time, like, I feel like um, Trevor almost gives them like less leeway for success because, like. Um, quarterback in a rookie deal is one of like a uh, cheat code is not the right word for it but one of like a formulas for success like Carson Wentz in Philadelphia and Russell Wilson in the early 2010s in Seattle and there's various other examples Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City of teams kind of like having a really good um, quarterback like not necessarily elite like Jared Goff in um LA too of like a solid quarterback on a rookie deal and being able yeah. to have a really talented rest roster but and so like if Urban kind of goes seven and nine for two or three seasons and like yeah they'll still have Trevor Lawrence who seems like who is an awesome prospect and seems like he's a can't miss player but like at the same time like it'll be like I think it'll be feel like a waste of his like contract and no. so yeah, no, and that, that's absolutely fair. And I think when people are talking about risk, I think that's the biggest thing because the Jaguars, they kind of have this golden goose and Lawrence that, you know, where it, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have mattered in the grand scheme of things if they ruin – you can't see because this is a podcast, but I'm doing the quotation marks on my <laughs> fingers – if they ruin Gardner Minshew because he was a six-round pick that they had nothing invested in. But if you ruin Trevor Lawrence, who is considered a transcendent quarterback prospect and is Sam Dunk number one overall pick, then that's obviously pretty harmful to your franchise. So I, I, I'd agree with you there. And I think Lawrence is honestly, as much as Lawrence makes it more likely for Meyer to succeed, Lawrence's presence is also why this is such a risky roll of the dice. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely goes both ways. And that's one of the reasons that like, I'm excited to see how the rest of the staff kind of fills out. is because there's kind of been like rumors flying around. And there was um, one person hired as we were recording that's going to be, like, the chief of staff or something like that. But, like, the coordinator positions have yet to be filled, even though there's rumors about who it could be. And so that's going to be really interesting, like, obviously because it has an immediate effect on the team performance, but also because it has, like, a long-term effect on Trevor and the rest of all these young players. Like, the vast majority of the team's building blocks, per se, is on their rookie contracts. And so... And then, like, if Urban does end up leaving in just a couple of years, and it's certainly possible that they could kind of hire from the inside and just promote their offense coordinator or something like that. And so, yeah. it's I mean, it goes without saying that the coordinator roles and the rest of the staff 
as a whole is like important, but I'm really excited to see how that ends up getting filled. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, obviously those are important, but I think those are one of the big reasons why you hire Urban Meyer to begin with, because I'm, yeah. I, I think when you think of coaches who build elite staffs, it's him and Nick Saban and then everybody else, you know, but th- those guys just churn out a year after year elite coaching staffs. And um, just between that and his overall connections to the last couple of decades, I, I don't think people should have any concern about, you know, him filling out most of his staff. Like, uh, you know, some of the names that have been reported, like Chris Ash, uh, defense coordinator at Utah, Charlie Strong. It's like he's getting, like, like the Avengers of college football defensive coordinators, but the position <laughs> coaches in the NFL. You know, like, oh, this guy would be one of the better defense coordinators in college football. Why don't you come be our linebackers coach, you know? Like, it, yeah. it, it, it's that kind of thing. And I really do think that can work. But it will all ultimately come down to, you know, like we've talked about the coordinator hires, especially on offense, because Urban has just been a guy that's delegated his offense so much in the past. Uh, you know, typically uh, we don't know for sure if he'll call a plays or let Zosi call the plays, but typically in the past he hasn't, you know, really called plays. So his offensive coordinator hire is going to be massive. And, uh, you know, we've seen a couple names floated out there. Scott Linehan was one for offensive coordinator. Raheem Morris for defensive coordinator. Uh, I, I believe I want to say John Oshner was floating Jim Caldwell out a little bit, but I'm not going to commit to that. But, I mean, I – Lenihan makes sense just in the fact that he's has a ton of experience and he knows Meyer, but I do think you got to swing a bit higher than that. So I think if they, yeah, all I, the I think, chips in the middle of the table. Yeah. I, 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 if I'm, if I'm Meyer, I, I would have made a call to Jim Caldwell yesterday to get him down to Jacksonville. I think that, I think that would be a phenomenal offense coordinator hire. Yeah. Well, first of all, I can't let this slip by. You said uh, Saban has elite staffs. So are you calling Bill O'Brien elite? I'm absolutely calling Bill <laughs> O'Brien elite. No, Bill O'Brien, worst, worst general manager in the NFL. He's about to be a top three coordinator in college football. He's about to go to Sarkeesian route, and he, he's going to be, you know, he's going to reshape uh, his little little image over there, and he's going to be a head coach in like two years. It's stupid, yeah. but it's, it's Sark gonna... is a great OC, but at the same time, I think it's hilarious how everyone was kind of raving about him over the title game which I mean he gets credit for but like it's not like anyone should expect the same thing to happen in Texas or anyone else where they he's not no. gonna have the Heisman winner and all those players no for sure like but the, it's, the it's more, so, it's, that, it's it's more so the fact that Saban is able like the I mean his coaching tree the last couple of years has kind of been like insane honestly yeah like, just the amount of people under him have gone on the lead programs I was gonna and say Meyer's kind of the same one I think that like his coaching staff in the 2017 championship and the 2020 championship were like completely different. Like I think he had a complete Ross or staff yeah. turnover, which is insane. Yeah. But yeah. So Saban's the goat, but yeah, the, all, as you said, offense coordinator is definitely going to be the most important. Um, it kind of depends on who ends up being hired, but I think James Robinson might end up being like having his stock rise the most just because I think Urban's a little bit more run heavy than people might expect because he kind of has like the flashy like spread offense and RPOs and all this stuff. But I think he's really centered on kind of having a run game, like not Pete Carroll like, but almost like a white Pete Carroll where you kind of yeah. start with a run game and kind of go out from there. And so, especially like, and Scott Linehan has been really run heavy in the past decade at all the stops he's been at including Dallas with an awesome quarterback and Dak Prescott. What was he so, run heavy with with Detroit? Um not as much. I think part of that has to do with like 
wins and losses kind of because with Detroit, it was like the very beginning of Stafford's career when the Lions were terrible. And so I think they were just like throwing it, just chuck, letting Stafford chuck. Um, Much like the middle and end of his career. <laughs> well, that's true. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, but no. especially the beginning when they were like, yeah, they were really yeah, bad. Sure, they had that 0-16 sure. season. But and sure. then with the Cowboys, they've always been like just over 800. And so they've been able to kind of rely on the run a little bit more. Um, but I think, I think Linhan especially, but the two of them are both kind of committed to the run. But I mean, do, yeah. do, do you have a specific coordinator name in mind? Um, I would love to see Brian Johnson get yeah. hired. I don't. I think that's a pretty small chance it happens. But he's the offensive coordinator for the Gators, and I think he's had a really a lot of really good kind of reviews from Mullen and other people. And it seems like he's kind of on the way up. And I think I take that I have about the Gators is that like I don't know if Emory Jones is it, but like once Mullen has like a good dual threat quarterback he's going to, like, get any job he wants. Because, like, the fact that he was able to make Trask a Heisman candidate is awesome, but it's especially awesome because Trask's mobility is awful. And I think that – Yeah, and so I think um, Mullen's offense kind of, like, almost revolves more around a mobile quarterback. So the fact that he didn't even have that in Trask, once he gets, like, a dual-threat quarterback that's good in the ground and the air, like, I think the offense is going to be even better than it already was. And so – and I think, and so I think Mullen's stock could rise with a good, rise even more than it is right now with a like true dual threat quarterback. And I think the same is true with Brian Johnson. So I think Brian Johnson's either going to get an NFL OC or a college football HC position in the next two years. And so, like I said, I'll be surprised if that happens if he does. That I'm coming to Jacksonville, but I'll be all for it just because I think Mullen is like. He definitely has his flaws, but I think he's also a genius, as yeah. a lot of other people on the offensive no, side of the no, ball. No, for sure. For sure. Mullen definitely has his flaws. Uh, my stance is if you can help Kyle Trask, a uh, skill set, become a top five Heisman vote getter, even in this season, then you're, you're, you probably know what you're doing. That's a different take for a different day. I mean, Brian Johnson, I, I like him a lot. It's just I would be floored if they – if they brought in a college OC or an OC that doesn't have extensive NFL experience, it just, it just does not like, it's, it seems like the staff will be a lot of college guys, but I just don't think coordinator specifically and the guy who's going to be, you know, kind of most responsible for Trevor Lawrence's development is going to be somebody that has to learn the NFL game and the ins and outs of being an NFL coordinator. Yeah. That's definitely a good point. I think I almost feel like Sark would have made sense. But yeah, obviously, except for the job at Texas, that would have been interesting. And then I kind of thought Tom Herman would be kind of a guy to watch just because he was with uh... no. – <laughs> <laughs> <Just only, laughs> I'm not saying I would advocate for it. I, would, I just feel like it would – like the pairing would kind of make sense since they were together at OSU. No, you, you don't know why I'm saying no. All right, well, I'm not – like I said, I'm not – Go ahead and do a Google search of Tom Herman or Urban Meyer. <laughs> get, 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 get back to me, guess. All right, <laughs> <laughs> All right so never mind. Scratch yeah. that, I guess. But we'll yeah. see. What about you? Do you have any – Anyone in mind that you'd like to see or that you think is going to happen? Would he, – he, hear me out. People will get mad about this because the Steelers' offense looked awful. Would Randy Fitchner be an awful idea? I, I don't dislike his scheme. I think his quarterback was just one of the worst in the NFL over the last couple of months. Who did you say? The Steelers' offense coordinator. His uh, contract expired. No, no. No? I don't think he's that good. I think he's – Really? I, I like I mean, his concepts. I thought, I thought his terrible quarterback is what held him back, but that's fair. I 
I don't know. I just don't think his, I mean, maybe his philosophies kind of line up a little bit with um, Urban. And I think that the quarterback definitely has something to do with it because, like, Roethlisberger just, like, I mean, he kind of, like, was a little bit more impressive down the stretch and he actually started throwing it, like, somewhat deep at the end of the season. But, like, especially the beginning of the season, like, it felt like he was struggling to get it to, like, the opposite hash. Um, and I also think, like, partly that the, that Ben wasn't that good last season for this season, but also that I think Ben kind of dictates the offense a lot in terms of, like, what he wants to do. Like, they don't run – they run, like – they have one of the lowest play action rates in the league in large part because Ben is one of those quarterbacks that kind of doesn't like turning his back to the defense. Um, so I would be interested to see, like, what his offense kind of looks like without Ben trying to kind of telling him what to do because Fickner has been there for, like, 15 years or something since, like, he was the wide receivers coach when the Steelers won the Super Bowl. So now that I'm, like, kind of talking out loud to myself, I wouldn't hate it, but I, don't, I wouldn't love it either. It was – I don't know. The concepts were solid, but it was also just kind of uninspiring, I feel like. And I don't know if that's really – it's. I would take that over Linehan, but it's not as much of a swing for the fence as I think it could be. Yeah. No, and, and that's, that's understandable. I mean, I'm just trying to think of, like, other offense coordinator names. Uh, okay, here's one. Here's one. Give me your reaction to this, okay? okay. Just because I, I know your takes on him in the past. Jacksonville Jaguars offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn. No. Oh, my gosh, John. What are you doing to me? You were here <laughs> saying I hear a college dude who's never worked in the NFL. What? Come on. Help me find some middle ground here. Oh. No. <laughs> I mean, the fact that – I mean, I think Lynn – I'm probably a little too harsh on. Like, I think he'd be better as an OC than a head yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah, you're not hiring him to be head coach. It was especially his game management and, like, clock yeah. management and all that. That was just, like, disgusting. Agreed. But I don't know, man. He's another guy that's, like, just, like, let's run the ball down the other team's throat, which, like, if you want to have, like, a run-first offense, that's one thing. But if you want to have a Pete Carroll where every first and second down is a run, then, like, that's just not yeah. it. Especially when your quarterback is going to be Trevor Lawrence – like, I don't want an offensive yeah. coordinator where, like, the fan base is just enraged that they're not giving Trevor Lawrence the ability to win the right. ball, like um, Russell Wilson in his rookie right. contract or Dak Prescott. So That's fair. All right. So it's going to be I, a no I, for me. <laughs> all right. I got two more names for you, and I'm expecting no to one of them and yes together. Okay. Okay. I think it's Brian, been no so far. <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer. Um, soft yes. I think – I don't know. The whole thing with Seattle, there's like there was such a huge like discourse about Shoddy and Russell Wilson and their offense over the past like week or two since they kind of got bumped from the Rams in the playoffs. But yeah. I think Shoddy's solid. I I would I, I would take Shoddy. I was gonna say I feel like he tried to advance and evolve the Seahawks offense, and Wilson wasn't able to do it consistently. And Carroll was just like quickly pulled the plug on it. It's like okay, let's go back to what we used to do. Yeah, I mean Lawrence has like a foot on Wilson, which like. I mean, it's a joke, but at the same time, like Wilson's height actually does have an effect on what he's able to do because he just is unwilling to throw over the middle of the field, and it's because he can't see over guys. And it's the same thing with Kyler Murray. Like those two guys are awesome, but like when you can't really hit intermediate in like middle of the field routes, then that obviously limits what you're able to do. And so, yeah, I would I would take Schottenheimer. I think that would be a solid hire because okay. and he was kind of like trying to adapt to Wilson and adapt Carroll a little bit. And trying to trying to he kind of like changed the offense up 
a bit the past couple of years to try to make it better. And yeah. so it just kind of didn't work out. But I think that would be a solid hire. I'll be fine it, with that. As my good friend Betts said, let Russ <laughs> prep the veggies. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> okay, uh, another name. Pep <laughs> Hamilton. Um, I like Pep a lot, but, like, but, I mean, that would be pushing all the chips into the middle. I don't know. Like, what's even his experience before? Because he was – what was he, the head coach of, the, of an AAF team before he was – Yeah, he's been an OC in the NFL. Coach? He's been an OC in the NFL. Yeah, I think um, – I think I said this on he the was court, And he was Herbert's quarterback's coach this year. That's what I was going to say. I think a lot of success from Herbert kind of goes to Pep Hamilton. Certainly not Anthony Lynn. But also, I forget who their offense coordinator is, but their offense coordinator, too, was pretty solid this year. But, yeah, I think Pep and Shadi I would both be good with. Yeah. They would, they would okay, get a thumbs so, up from me. <laughs> okay, so thumbs up from our guest Logue is Pep, Shadi, and Brian Johnson. Uh, hard no on Scott Linneham. And uh, I'm trying to think of any other names I missed. And then an emphatic no. Like, you – I, I, I wish I wish people could see your face when I said Anthony Lynn guess. I, mean, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't saying uh, hand the franchise over to you. No. You look disgusted with me. Like you look like I insulted you. <laughs> well, it's because you know the takes I've had on him, and I like, preface it with that. Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But no, like no, I mean, that's that's fair. Now I I guess just as important though as who he picks for offense coordinator, just because of Trevor. I think defense coordinator is not as equally important because Trevor Lawrence is the franchise once he gets drafted, but it's not that far behind because he is inheriting the worst defense in the NFL and a defense that is missing a lot of talent and a defense who needs to find a scheme that fits them. So I, I think as much as he needs to nail the offensive coordinator hire, I think the defense coordinator hire is a major one that he needs to hit. Yeah, 100%. It'll be interesting to see kind of what – um, I mean, for ob- offense, obviously, it's kind of important because of Trevor Lawrence's development and usage and kind of the scheme for the offense, like whether it ends up being sp- um, spread and RPO heavy, like Urban and quarterback run heavy, like Urban typically has had, or if it's a little bit different based on the offensive coordinator's tendencies. But then for defense, the main thing that'll be interesting to see is whether it's a coordinator that's going to emphasize using a 4-3 base or a 3-4 base. And Caleb Von Chason, um, tweeted last night, three, four, question mark, question mark. No, that, so, that, that was just the number of wins they're going to have in the next two years. <laughs> the next two years? Yeah. We're going to go 17-0? <laughs> no, I mean, we count playoff wins. All right. That's a lot of – that's like four losses, I feel like, at most. All right, that's John's hot take for today. No, no, that was clearly <laughs> sarcasm dripping from there. Shut <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean – We've, everyone's kind of been saying it since Chase on was drafted, honestly, but having Chase on and then Josh Allen on the other side of the defensive line kind of makes a lot of sense to kind of transition to a three, four, which would be, I mean, I don't really have a preference either way for like, which I think is necessarily better. I mean, the better scheme is kind of like whatever you kind of can fit, whatever scheme your players best fit into, I guess. And so for the Jaguars current roster, it seems like that would be a three, four, but, and I think, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think 3-4 is interesting because, like, especially with the Steelers, um, like, you can do, like, so many, like, pressure packages and just, like, kind of dominating, like, the front of the line of scrimmage um, with a 3-4. And 
like whoever the defense coordinator is, if they do end up going with a 3-4, kind of seeing what they do with kind of different blitz packages and different fronts and kind of lining up players all over the place, especially with like Miles Jack. If like he, like he was already kind of unleashed last year, but if he could just be like a complete weapon, yeah. like uh, TJ Wise kind of used, obviously they played different positions, off ball and on by linebacker, but. But I mean, he, he's a really effective blitzer. So just, you know, using yeah. him to disrupt offenses in different ways. And I'm actually glad you mentioned the Steelers because I think, the person that Myers should call first and foremost about the job. Uh, I think Raheem Morris is a solid defensive coach. I mean, the the Falcons, I think they were in the top half of the league in DVOA defensively this year, and that is not a talented defense. Like, they, they signed Dante Fowler to a lot of money, so that just kind of shows you the state of their defense. <laughs> and, but I, I, I think the number one guy that they should target is actually comes from the Steelers, uh, Terrell Austin, you know, former Detroit Lions defense coordinator. He worked with Urban at Florida, and he's currently on the Steelers' defensive staff. I think he's the kind of guy who, you know, he has enough NFL defense coordinator experience, and he has that relationship with Urban that I think it makes perfect sense. And then he'd be able to, you know, obviously his scheme probably isn't Pittsburgh's scheme, but there's no way he hasn't been influenced by what he's learned there and what he's picked up from Tomlin. So I'd imagine he would carry over some of the stuff. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that'd be interesting just because it's – of the defense, but also because Mike Tomlin is one of, if not the best, like, CEO-type head coaches in the league. Like, his kind of, like, X's and O's on both sides of the ball is kind of iffy in, like, big-time games. But just in terms of, like, managing the team, like, he's awesome. Like, (laughs) um, I know, like, a bunch of jokes were kind of made on the Bird app a while ago when, like, during the Antonio Brown saga, but the fact that he had Antonio Brown, Martavius Bryant, Le'Veon Bell and whoever else in that locker room, and there wasn't really a peep from any of them for Plus a while. Which was what you say? Plus a pouncy. Yeah. So there you go. So he's definitely Tomlin is definitely, I'm sure, great influence. So yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate that hire. I think that'd be solid. But I mean, and then going back to Atlanta, I think it's interesting because like everyone's kind of looking at the splits from when Dan Meyer or when Dan Quinn was there and then after he got fired and how much better the defense got. And I, I can't really decide in my head if that's because Raheem Morris is really good or if it's because Dan Quinn is really bad. And I think it's just a little bit of both. That's fair. That's fair. That was a little bit of a Freudian slip calling him Dan Meyer. But, I mean, that, that's <laughs> that's certainly fair. And I mean, M- Morris has been kind of a long-time respected coach, so I think if Meyer is looking for, like, experience as his top trait, Morris is probably one of the better hires you can get just because, you know, he's been in the NFL for decades and decades as a defensive coach. You know, like, he he cut his teeth with uh, John Gruden's Tampa Bay teams. Um, yeah. I have another name for you, but I already know your answer, so I don't even want to say it. <laughs> okay. Guess, guess. Nothing? You're not going to guess? Oh, Gus? I thought you were saying Gus. Gus. I was like, what am I waiting? No, no, not Gus Bradley. For Gus, defensive yes. coordinator? Yeah. Um, not Todd Wash. Yeah, well, that was my first thought. And my second thought was Gus Bradley, but he's already been hired by uh, yeah, that's why the Las head. Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that's I'm, why. I'm blanking. Just give it to me. Son of a bum, Wade Phillips. <laughs> I mean. Three, I, four, he's experienced. He's nearly as good at Twitter as I am. <laughs> Almost, yeah. yeah. His Twitter game is right there. <laughs> I, I, no. 
I, 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 I love Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator. I, I, I'm sorry. Just I know he's an older guy, but I think he'd be Terrell Austin if I was the Jaguars would be number one on my list. But I put Wade Phillips right behind him. Yeah, I would like Wade. I would like Wade Phillips. It is funny how he's been like advocating for a job on Twitter and stuff. But I mean, that yeah. means he's, like, I think he tweeted today. I think he tweeted today he wants to retire from retiring. <laughs> yeah, I did. I saw that. <laughs> that oh, was I mean, all the questions about Urban, like, oh, he's going to, like, have a heart attack in three years and leave. Like, I mean, I guess it's not really – I mean, Wade Phillips is old, but he's been so so much advocating to, like, kind of get back into it that you'd really have to worry about – I mean, I guess you have to worry a little bit about his age because he is, like, fairly old, but you don't have to worry about his, like, want to coach. Yeah, and, and, I mean – So Adam is about online. I I think with the staff in general that the Jaguars, I think they'd be wise to kind of implement – natural successors you know kind of throughout the staff because i think yeah. specifically you need one for meyer uh i'm not sure if that's anything that's been discussed but that that would obviously i think be prudent but i mean it, it is at least refreshing to see meyer place such an emphasis on staff uh you know in that interview with shadrick that we talked about earlier he he talked about the staff more than he talked about anything else and about the want to put an elite staff around his players and he said he wanted to treat his players a good, he wanted to grind them, treat them really good, and to give them an elite staff. And that kind of fits with what Albert Breer was saying yesterday when he when he said a lot of the talk between the Jaguars was, one, about, you know, getting multi-year commitments for his staff, but also getting facility upgrades. And you even saw Avery Jones on Twitter, you know, kind of talking like, hey, you know, let's upgrade the facilities. And that's not to say the Jaguars' facilities are bad, but just to kind of – give them every advantage possible. And I truly think that if you're a coach and you're coming in there, one of the first thing you're doing is saying, okay, let's get better facilities for my guys. I think that actually helps with the buying from the team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because it shows you're investing in them. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The whole thing is an investment in the team and the like specific players. Like he, as you said, like he wants to build an elite staff for the players. And so that's why it would be awesome to have all these like, former college head coaches just be position coaches on the Jaguars. It, it would just be so much experience and so much like leadership and so much coaching ability. That would be awesome. And so and the facilities would obviously be for the players. And so I think we were talking earlier about how all you kind of need is a buy-in from the players and there's not really any reason to see why they wouldn't buy in. But yeah. I think especially when he's doing all of this again for the players, it's kind of easy to see. Yeah. No, like I, I don't think a buy-in like this would be easy if he was coming into, like, say the Jaguars hired him for the 2019 season on a team that had some veterans like, you know, Jalen Ramsey and all that. Even a 2018 team with, you know, Deshaun Gibson, all those other veterans who are no longer with the team. It might have been harder to get the buy-in then when, you know, the team was older and he had more veterans and people stuck in their ways. But I really think with how young this team is and with how long young – that core group of talent is that I I don't think it's going to be difficult to get to get the players to kind of play for Meyer. I really don't. I, I to me the risks aren't in terms of him being able to motivate them. To me the risk is more so to do with uh, kind of how long can you sustain this. Yeah, I think on like I mean if you get hired a bad head coach, I mean I don't know what bad candidates are out there. Maybe like Jason Garrett, but like yes. I feel like the <laughs> The Jaguars <laughs> sorry Jason Garrett, I don't know why your name popped into my head. But like <laughs> um yeah, I feel like the 
as we've said, the Jaguars are so young and kind of most of them, all they've kind of really known is losing for the past couple of years. And so as long as it wasn't like a bad hire, like they're kind of they're almost probably going to buy in regardless and be like, all right, now's the time to kind of like switch it up and go in a new direction regardless of who's leading us. And I think Urban leading them is kind of even better and even bigger push. And so it would be exciting to see like how hard they play. And I'll have to look this up, but like, I think in the past couple of years, but especially this year and last year, the Jaguars were near the bottom of the league in um, like broken tackle rate on defense. And so I think that's kind of more like a coaching thing that in like penalties. And yeah. so I think that's two like kind of statistics on the field that you can almost usually like translate directly to maybe not directly, right. but pretty directly to uh, the head coach and just coaching staff in general. And so I'm going to be interested to see, like what kind of penalty and uh, penalty and what was the other one I said? Missed tackles. Penalty and missed tackle rates, <laughs> yeah. like where the Jaguars are going to rank next year as opposed to the past previous years under the previous regime. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the big things, I think one of the biggest positives to hiring Meyer is it, it, might, it doesn't even have anything to do with his own expertise, but more so about the kind of staff he's been brought in. It's the fact that the Jaguars – they left 2020 having the worst secondary in the NFL. Uh, Ohio State's literally a defensive back factory. You know, Meyer, he gets the best defensive back coaches in the country to work for him. And if he's able to replicate that even to, like, say, three-fourths of that kind of effectiveness, I think he would do wonders for the Jacksonville Jaguar staff. So I, I really do think that the secondary will – likely see a big boost with this and guys that kind of brings me to my next point like who which players do you think overall are going to benefit the most from Meyer coming in uh I I, I got a couple names I'll throw at you first but I, I want to get your takes I think uh James Robinson obviously just because Meyer's offenses you know for as much as the quarterback gets attention a lot of them you know like you've said are run based and revolve around the running back I mean you know we can think back to Carlos Hyde, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, all these Ohio State running backs that, you know, Meyer produced. And then I also think, uh, you know, you mentioned it earlier, but I think LaVisca Chenault will benefit from this a lot. I think C.J. Henderson, because of what I mentioned earlier, because of the secondary help. And then I think the tight end position is going to kind of be revived under this because if anybody kind of values tight ends, it's Meyer. Yeah, I would say it will be really interesting to see what they do with the tight end situation, like whether they kind of go draft one or two in the draft or if they sign like a big time like head writer in like Hunter Henry or if they kind of go more low key. I'm an advocate of uh, Gerald Everett just because I think he's, I think like him or someone like David Njuko or just like an athletic tight end that's kind of shown from some flashes but hasn't really broken out yet um, would be really smart. But yeah. yeah, as we said, I, I agree with the Robinson part. And then everyone's excited about LaVisca, including me, just because Myers had some success with, like, playmakers like Percy Harvin and Curtis Samuel in college. And so I think that even if, like, I think Meyer will have, like, his handprints or whatever on the offense a little bit, even if he's not calling the plays and running it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so one of his, like, biggest um, – offensive philosophies is getting the ball into the hands of playmakers and so I think um LaVisca had I'm actually working on an article which will be up hopefully um probably at some point next week about LaVisca Chenault's usage last season 
maybe what we can expect from them um, next season. But he had 18 rushes last season, and he averaged about five yards a carry. And it was mostly – there was two wildcat plays, but it most, most of it was kind of halfback sweeps from shotgun and then, like, jet sweeps when he was lined up a receiver. But I'm really interested to see, like, if it's going to be more of that or even more creativity. Like, he, he ran, like, counter plays with Percy Harvin at UF with, like, Harvin in the backfield. And so, LaVisca is going to be a lot of fun to watch for a lot of reasons, but especially because Urban's going to be there. And so, th- those would be two big guys. And then – I agree with the point about CJ Henderson. He's just like, even if Urban wasn't hired, he would be like one of the guys I'll be most excited to watch next season. Just because For sure. he's he like, he had the injury that kind of cut his season short and he's like such a quiet guy that he doesn't really get a lot of press, I guess, or doesn't get talked about a lot. And he's also a cornerback. And so like for a cornerback, the less you're targeted, the better, but the less you're targeted, probably the less you're talked about. Um, but I think, he was obviously inconsistent last year, but that's kind of be kind of to be expected from a first-year cornerback who's immediately yeah. the kind of the starting CB one. And so I'm really excited to see kind of his progression yeah. and how he does in year two and after that as well. Yeah, no, I've said it before, but I I think higher of Henderson's game now after his rookie season than I did when he was coming out of Florida. And, you know, that might surprise some people because it's not like he had the stellar rookie campaign. But a lot of the concerns I had with him at Florida, I feel like he kind of thrived with, you know, here during his rookie year. Like the flashes, I thought, were just so impressive and so enticing that if you can get him to just be a bit more consistent, then you you could have something special there. So uh, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, I, I guess my final kind of, you know, point on this before we head off and, you know, listen to Meyer actually – address uh, the Jaguars fan base and supporters and all that. What what do you have to say about the Jaguars process throughout all of this, Gus? Because it very much looks like a process where they were locked in on one person and they weren't diverging from them at all. So, I mean, do, 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 you, do you feel like they went about the right process? Um, well, first of all, I want to add a point that just real quick that while I'm interested to see if it's going to be a 4-3 or a 3-4 defense, and I think it's probably the most intriguing thing, I'm also interested in seeing if it's going to be kind of man-heavy or zone-heavy either way because I think Henderson is definitely a solid zone cover or solid zone corner, but he has, like, the athletic traits and the potential to be an elite man cornerback. And so depending on who their defense coordinator is and, like, what kind of cornerbacks they bring in opposite from him um, is going to be interesting to watch. And then for the process, um, I think it's been clear that Urban's their guy based on what he said about com- having conversations with Sean about what Breer has said for over a month now about him kind of being their guy, about Dable like not even getting interviewed even though he was probably the best candidate, honestly. Um, yeah, I would say the Rooney rule has to change is my biggest takeaway. Yeah, no, it – I guess my biggest takeaway is credit the Shah Khan for finally, you know, kind of taking the search into his own hands and identifying his target and going out and getting his target. My question is, where was this energy before? You know, like, I, I feel like if he had that kind of urgency and commitment before this year, maybe the Jaguars aren't in the situation that they're in now to begin with. So I, I give a lot of credit to Khan for, you know, his ability to one, identify his top target, and two, to secure him. But I, I just I, – I think it's curious you didn't see that kind of commitment from him in years prior. 
Yeah. Well, recency bias is pretty powerful. It was funny how like three years ago, Howie Roseman was everyone's favorite general manager. And like Thanks. everyone would say he was like a top three GM in the league. And now everyone's like, oh, Howie Roseman? I don't know about that guy. And so I, I wonder if it's going to be like similar to Shad Khan where a few months ago he was looked at as one of the most like kind of outside general manager or owners and like not very involved. And then if the Jaguars have a lot of success with Lawrence and Meyer, maybe think people will think of him as one of the better owners in the league. And so it'd be kind of interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. But I think that's definitely a good point from you. Like where was it before and kind of what changed? Yeah, absolutely. And man, it is just surreal to me to see the Jaguars being one, the Jacksonville Jaguars being a centerpiece of the NFL offseason. Like they, they're the biggest story in sports right now. That's unreal to me. I mean, uh, Jalen Ramsey getting traded, that was probably the only other time I can think of where that could be said. I just, I think they have a enthusiasm and legitimacy around them that wasn't even there in 2017. Because even in 2017, when they were really good, how many people actually took the Jaguars, you know, serious? I mean, it, it, it seemed like the commentary was, one, yeah, they have a great defense, and two, the quarterback's a meme. And while fair, <laughs> yeah. while extremely fair, it's just it seems like there's more legitimacy this time around. <laughs> That's perfect, honestly. They have a sick defense, and they have a meme for a quarterback. It was That's accurate. <laughs> Not, it, it, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't unfair assessment. <laughs> yeah. No, it was weird because, like, I mean, it was such a breakout season in 2017 that even people in Jackson were like, is this real? Is this happening? And then, obviously, it kind of fell apart in the years after. And so, yeah, I mean, we talked before in, like, I think multiple pods about the upcoming schedule and how the Jaguars should be scheduled for a lot more primetime games and for the rest of the offseason and for the next season and multiple seasons probably they're going to start being much more discussed nationally, which good for them. Good stuff. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's definitely at the very least uh, intriguing time. And I just – I feel like if there's any franchise that needed to try something like this, that needed to just do something new and different and big, it was probably the Jaguars just because, man, they had been so stagnant and so downtrodden. So, I again, I'm not completely convinced it's going to work, but I do understand. All right. One thing that we didn't really discuss is um, general manager, because that's not officially official yet. Would you say that um, Trent Balake er, is going to be the general manager, or do you think it's still a little bit up in the air? I think it'll probably be Trent Balake. I, I, I think it'd be a mistake who, which, like, the enormity of the mistake is kind of hard to describe right now. I think for as encouraging of a hire as Meyer is, that's how discouraging of a hire Balky would be just because the, the way I see it is I think he would essentially be an experienced NFL front office button man that would be able to kind of hold Meyer's hands through the NFL rules and how trades and salary cap, how all that works for a year. And I think the only way you can sell it as a positive is if you frame it as like what the Panthers did with Marty Herney and Matt Rule, where, you know, in Matt Rule's transition year as a first-year head coach, they kept the Herney there, who's super experienced, knows the in and outs of how to operate a team, isn't good at it, but, you know, knows the actual stuff that has to <laughs> you know, knows the actual stuff that has to be done. And that's how I would see Falky. Uh, I, I think he probably should be the favorite, but I, I think them – I, I think not hiring Rick Smith would be a tremendous mistake by them, but it, it, it appears that's the direction they're heading on. 
Yeah, and not even not hiring Rick Smith, but not even interviewing some of the other like great GM candidates is kind of yeah. They did, like I, I don't think they requested an interview at Dodds. Uh, Joe, I I haven't seen some of the candidates even get interviews. Like I don't think I've seen Joe Horitz uh, take yeah. a single interview. He's obviously in the playoffs, stuff like that. But that hasn't stopped guys like Terry Fontenot and stuff like that. So I I, I think Terry Fontenot should have been number one target, and then Rick Smith after him, and then after that. I'd hire Jerry Reese before Trent Baalke. Yeah, I think – I don't know. I don't really have any strong takes either way. Because as, as I've said before, it's such – like player evaluation be, could be such a crapshoot. And obviously there's people that are better at it than others and people that have better kind of processes. I feel like that's kind of the most important thing. Um, but at the end of the day, not, it's that's certainly an important position, obviously. But I think head coach is a little bit more important. But it'll definitely be interesting to see – in a year if it's kind of because I think that's a good take of what you said of whether they're kind of doing the Panthers way and having um Balke kind of hold Urban's hand and how long he'll be kind of be around yeah no I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out I don't I don't think we're gonna have to wait that long for a general manager hire to be made I I don't I don't think they would announce it over the weekend because of the playoffs so I think Monday would make sense true well maybe we'll get a little more insight um, yeah, true. About, about uh, you won't be listening to this recording when it's the time it is right now. That was a stupid sentence. But as of how I'm speaking right now, we're 15 minutes away from Meyer talking. So, uh, Gus, why don't we go ahead and wrap it up? Uh, you, you have any hot takes to send us out? Um, I have two quick hot takes, but they're they're league-wide. Um, is that the Rams would win the Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. And that's basically just meaning if they had an average to above average quarterback, I agree with that. Even like a fully healthy golf, maybe then yeah. I think they would be legitimate Super Bowl contenders. But the NFC, the NFC is looking awesome. Like all four of those teams that are in right now, I think are going to be like could definitely win the Super Bowl. And then I with feel the same way about the AFC. With the AFC, like the Chiefs are probably going to win. But then, like, I, I don't know if I'm sold on the Bills and Ravens. They're a lot of fun to watch, and I really like both of those teams. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It's going to be – this weekend's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And yeah. then my other take that I got to get out there before I forget about it is that the Rams are going to do – I guess it's not two Ram takes for some reason, but the Rams are going to do, like, an NBA-type trade where they send four first-round picks or something – ridiculous to go get Deshaun Watson and they mortgage the entire future and like they're gonna have like no draft picks for the next four years but they're gonna like have that. Deshaun Watson and just like that whole superstar roster construction thing yeah. and if they get if they retain Staley which looks probable and if they get Watson then like they're winning the Super Bowl that's as yeah as that. absolutely uh man I'm trying to think any hot picks that we haven't already said I guess my hot take would be that the Lions are going to hire Dan Campbell. Interesting. I feel like yeah, I don't even know if I've heard his name. Yeah, no, they've interviewed him. The only team that's interviewed him. It just it, it seems like literally every other coach they've looked at is getting hired right now. Like, you know, Saleh to the Jets, Arthur Smith canceled his second interview with the Lions. It just feels like they're dropping like flies. Have they interviewed the enemy? I think so, yeah. I feel like that's who I'll put my money on for not really any reason in particular. I don't know why, but I, if I had to say right now, I think I would guess uh, dabble to the Chargers, the enemy to the Lions, and then Houston's the only other opening left, I think. 
Yeah, I think I could see Houston getting Joe Brady, but man, I just I think that'd be such a mistake. Yeah. I don't know. Brady Brady would be fun with Watson though. Watson's so good in the quick game. I mean Watson's good. Yeah, he would. Hire him as offense coordinator. <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, we'll see. yeah, no, for sure. But there there's definitely a lot of excitement uh, around now. Uh, you know, whether this works or not, it'll at least be interesting to watch and I am fascinated to see how it plays out. Uh we're we're gonna bounce now. You know, I have to hear from the head coach himself. But thank you again for listening. You can find us at Jaguar Report si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. Gus, go ahead and give me your app. I'm at Gus underscore Logue on Twitter. Glass half full. That's my thing. That's my stance. The, the, it's the New first... Year. It's 2021. Be positive. There you go. The, the, we the have Trevor Lawrence. Version, <laughs> the old version of Gus that predicted 10 sacks in a game for J.J. <laughs> Watt is, is gone, and he's here and positive. New vibes. <laughs> no sacks, just vibes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody.